Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? Welcome to Waypoint Radio bonus podcast, God of War spoiler fest. Oh, we're good we're at doing branding. It. That's the, we don't have, what do we do with it? Because it's not a one-on-one, right? I mean, I guess it, it isn't. It isn't a one-on-one for God of War. It's not enough of us here. We didn't, like, give people the time to play through it. Not enough distance, exactly. I was just explaining this to somebody. Somebody was like, you should do a Waypoint 101 for Mafia 3. And I was like, well, we covered that game when it came out. You can hear me talk about it. I really, 101 should have a little bit of distance with them. So, well, there's uh, like a, there's like a history, like, and also like the consequences and ripple effects of, yes. of, a, of a game. Yes. Um, even if we don't uh, necessarily talk a lot about that in a one-on-one, I think that is definitely part of it. Agreed. Um, <laughs> or like Fortnite, it's like we the, the history is we missed it. <laughs> we missed it. We missed the history on it, and uh, we're just catching up finally. <laughs> it's new to us. <laughs> uh, and so, if you, in fact, the fact if you missed that, that is now out uh, on the feed. Um, you can go back and listen to us talk about Fortnite for an hour or whatever. Um, that was a fun one. That was actually a, a an interesting entire process i think for us as people who normally i don't say stay in our comfort zones but like the world is busy enough and the games that come out are um are are there's enough of them now they're they are numerous enough that we can like find stuff to play that is really up our alley you know what i mean um you know BattleTech is out. I could just have spent that time playing BattleTech. I could right. have just have spent that time playing, you know, um, more of a, more Monster Hunter stuff. I know I like. And instead, I was like, all right, we're gonna spend that time playing a game that like I have mixed feelings about, and and that was fun. Um, it's helpful that a game is multiplayer. Like you can put that list yes. onto a, a number yes. of people as opposed to. Uh, like I've been sitting here trying to figure out if I'm going to play Frostpunk or BattleTech, and the prospect of doing it on my own is like oh, That's a convincing. Tough one. Like, you what if I just join what us? What if I just punt on it and just wait till State of Decay Two is out, a game that I can wrap my that head you can around. actually wrap your head around? I'm very excited for State of Decay Two. Um, <laughs> you should join us for a tactical tour for a Mecha Monday one morning. Just like sit in, and we'll like walk you through what's going on. Maybe it should be the other way around. Where the I sh- I should uh, play um, BattleTech, and I can ask you yeah, questions about that what might, I don't that understand. That might work. That might work. That might work. Yeah, we'll think about it. Anyway. We'll think about it. We'll out. For now, though, we're going to talk about something that has zero robots in it, I think. I don't think there are any, like... There people, are autom- are mani- people are manipulated, but I don't yeah. there's no evidence of... There's no, like, a- autonomous, like, tree mechs or anything, even. There aren't any, like... You know what I mean? Like, we don't even have any, like, golems. Or I guess there are, go- there are frost elementals. They're elementals. Those things Those things are robots. And, like, the, the ancients. Or I guess yeah, I guess like it's in in terms if you were to actually look at the elements of a, a robot, they'd function similarly. So. Right, well like and they were made to do work and you know right. the dwarves and whatever. That's a robot. That's a robot. We got robots right. in this game. Alright, um, so now we've justified why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> Finally. Uh I mean, we're doing this podcast because it has been a couple of weeks now uh since God of War came out. Um because we are you know, you actually just wrote a piece on the site uh today. Does that go up last night? That went up today? Yesterday. 
Well, when um, this goes up, I don't know. It went up on Monday on the website. Monday. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about kind of the the long tail of a reception, of, of a personal kind of – the personal read of a game. Something where like you – know, a lot of people think about reviews as being one and done or like you do the review and then you wash your hands and you have your – your opinion is out there now. My review of the game is X out of five or whatever and that is that is my final thoughts at the end. And your piece was kind of like, no, actually like I love engaging with criticism and – you know reviews and, and dialogue that happen after a game comes out, kind of the takes that that uh, represent a a group of of thinkers and responders and players who are not the sorts of people who tend to be assigned those reviews or have you know staff writing jobs at major outlets. Um, and and we're now like moving into that into that mode into that moment of God of War, um, uh, which yeah, is so exciting also, for me. <laughs> someone pointed out because uh, uh, I didn't get into it in my piece, but like is. Is what you're saying also giving yourself an out if an oh shit, I didn't notice that bad thing in the game? And I was like, yes, that is 100% what that is also about too. Because sometimes things come out and people notice a thing that like, I don't know, like you just didn't pick up on or just you looked at in a different way and it's like, hey, I reserve the right to be like, yo, that was fucked up. (laughs) Right. There's definitely stuff that I there's plenty of games that have stuff that I didn't catch the first time through like um I think there's a lot of really interesting discourse around writing criticism and and um you know fan videos and blah 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 about like um Gwyn in not Gwyn sorry uh oh my god what is the characters not Gwyn from Dark Souls 1 there's the boss fight in the long hallway um. Oh my God! And then, and then, Dark Souls three. There's the boss that just like, this is the worst. I feel like I've, I'm failing as a Dark Souls fan. Uh, Gwyn- I, I, I can't even. I, I mean, I can't. I can't even help you because Dark Sun. Yes, lo- Dark Sun Gwendolyn. Uh, there's lots of really great uh criticism around Dark Sun Gwendolyn as a trans character. Yeah. Uh, mm. Even. I mean, the arguments are like pretty firmly. Uh, grounded inside of the the lore and like referencing item descriptions and referencing the ways in which other characters refer to Gwendolyn. Um, that is uh, really fascinating. And like, I didn't pick that up the first time through on Dark Souls. You know, like I didn't see the the, the kind of trans reading of that character. Um, mm-hmm. and so like, I think all of us are better off when we enter a work and come out of it thinking like, yep, I missed stuff. What did I miss? Like, what's the thing that I missed? Whether that is like problematic content or if that is, um, just you know, interesting reading about stuff that you that I didn't pick up or that you didn't pick up uh, you different perspectives get, like, uh, you get caught up in the moment of of uh, I'm not trying to articulate this but like so for example like I didn't I, I didn't get this into my in my piece but um, like the you know the, the last Mario game like I wrote a very glowing review of that I, I did like it a lot right um, and I, I think I ended part of that piece saying like and I'm like, super excited to like get all of the extra stuff <laughs> in this game in the months ahead you know what I haven't done is like turned on that game since right. I reviewed it, and I actually right. the more distance I have from that game, like the worse I feel. Like in no world am I gonna go turn on and be like, "Yo, that game sucked." That's right. not how I feel, but like certainly with distance, I have realized like I've better understood the things I liked and have haven't liked about different games in the series, and that that one actually landed in a place where, in some ways, I think I was arguing to myself that I liked it more than I did because right. I I always like these games. Like I always and it's from <laughs> it's the same Mario. team that makes that makes all the, the, the they've made just tremendous after tremendous game. Um right. 
And that's a game where, you know, you know, six months later, I actually have cooled on quite a bit. It's a game that I, I still tr- think is a, a tremendous accomplishment. A lot of things I like about it. Um, but, like, you, I have cooled on it tremendously since. And I just think that's something that is, like, I think you ask a lot of reviewers, like, how they oh, feel yeah. about games that they were really, really high on in the moment. And then how they feel about them a year, five years, ten years later. I would, you know, my own experience is not everyone's experience with, like, that's like the vast majority of those games that like you're super high on. Is that like later it cools to varying degrees and and your and your as your taste shift or evolve, like you suddenly look back on it with a huh sort of like feeling right. about it. I think especially in games where games also change so dramatically from year to year, from from decade to decade. I mean, I think it's been even an interesting thing to see people who loved the old God of War games going back to those. And saying like, "Oh, is there is there here here? Like, is there what did I like about these? Do these still hold up? Like uh, these sequences that seemed at the time to be so dramatic now seem so cheesy or or whatever." Um, and that wasn't that long ago. God of War three was like a, just over a decade ago. You know, like it wasn't that 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 long ago in the history right. of, of a medium or something. You know, so um, that that has been fascinating. Um, but anyway, we should we should kind of talk now, which is like it's been a couple of weeks since your God of War review. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked a little bit about it on a Waypoint Radio, um, and now we can talk about it. We're gonna we're gonna talk full spoilers here. We're gonna go as deep in as as we're yeah, gonna not, go in. No, yeah, no no like, warnings. No, no yeah, warning. It's just at this point that's your. <laughs> that's this your is warning. it. This is our warning. Here it is. In the next ten seconds, we're gonna we're gonna start digging in. And start talking about uh, the game with with no holds barred, you know. So uh, I'm curious, Patrick. Um, it's been a couple of weeks. Some other takes have started filtering out. You know, some other ones are still on their way because we're waiting on a couple. Um, what um What do you think now? Like, how how has it been sitting with you? It sat pretty well. I think like watching. Uh, so like it was in the piece that I wrote, like I referenced Bioshock Infinite as sort of kind of yeah. an aha moment for I think myself and a lot of other people about like how you think about um, a game, like how critical discourse can help you understand the context of a game and your own readings of a game. Um, and, but that, that part of, part of Bioshock Infinite was that the, the store, like that game was largely propped up, even if you enjoyed it and like took it for what it was like on the story and the, and the world building, like, cause the combat was really not much. There wasn't a lot to it. It wasn't particularly enjoyable. Like the violence was like, really indulgent in like a like a, actually like a very old god of war mm-hmm. sort of fashion that was very not even in character for like the you know uh, booker dewitt like it just didn't make a lot of sense with the, the 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 violence and so like that game kind of fell apart on two planks for i think a lot of people which is like all right well once the story's been kicked out from under it uh <sighs> what do you have to to sit with and it really wasn't the mechanics of of the game um where's like god of war like like uh I think even the most critical reviews that I've read, like, like there were two really great pieces um, that I pointed people to at the end of, of my piece, which is um, Julie Muncie over at Wired wrote, like, a, a review that went up a couple of weeks after the game came out. Right. Um, and then Garrett Martin over at Paste wrote um, a piece that is, it functions largely as a review, um, even if it's not labeled as such, as more of an, an essay on the game. And, like, in both those instances, like, it seems like a lot of the, the discourse around the game has been, like, yo, like, the combat's pretty great, and, like, that holds up really well, and it's a lot of fun to play and then there's just like varying levels of like whether um it's basically whether you accept the premise of of the game like and i think that's like the big like the hurdle like i yeah, i chose to take for sure I, I chose to take the game at its at its premise while critiquing like what that means and then other people uh had just had trouble getting over that initial 
pump, which I also uh, you either like buy into the idea that like this dude who has a really f- uh, f- awful fucking toxic history is allowed to or even should be granted the chance to become good or show that they have changed or if that's a story even worth telling given that it's an optional one and not a historical one. And for a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people, but for, you know, some people that they just can't get over that. And it's like, I, I got other games I can play. I got other things that I can spend my time with. I don't need to see another one of these um, stories like this have been told before just because it's flashier and has like really like good combat doesn't necessarily make it uh, worth telling. And, um, but for me personally, like I, I've still sat pretty well with the game. I think the thing that's sour for me is like the, I keep moving the the uh um the point at which i get uh it's not the halfway point but i definitely i think my reviews said like the last five hours are yeah. rough um and then i think i keep in my head moving that back a little yeah. <laughs> a little bit uh, the longer uh it sits with me i mean it's definitely like the last i don't know fourth of the game is a is a complete tonal and where's that point uh, for you what's the moment that it that it starts to lose I can't, itself I, see i'd have to go back like because i recorded most of my gameplay and i, I was scrubbing through it trying to figure out because there was just a moment where like I think the game actually comments on it where uh what's the I can't remember the, the character's name of the head that you're holding. Um Oh uh, fuck, what is his name? It this is yeah, what's been it has already been too long. It's long enough for me to forget like the like the, 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 the B tier characters. Yeah, um, um whatever. The head that you're holding who often acts as like uh, a character who knows as much as Kratos, but ends right. up verbalizing it because Atreus just, you know, is learning as he goes along. That's a big, you know, arc of the game. Like, you go in, you're bringing, like, another thing so you can get to Jotunheim, and it doesn't work. And then, like, he says something on the lines of, like, oh, basically, like, what the fuck? Like, again? Like, we gotta go find something else? And, yeah. And, they, and I was like, yo, game, like, you shouldn't be... Don't verbalize the feeling that you think no, your I, player yeah. might be having uh-huh. if if that's a bad feeling to have and that that was to the point where i was trying to figure out uh and this is difficult in the review is like okay am i feeling this tension because i'm looking at the clock on how long i have left in this game how long i have to write this review get all the other things ready for this game so that i can like write something substantial and interesting or is the game actually paced poorly they're forcing it they should have cut like the last at least like five hours from this game and the the longer i've sat with it the more i feel very confident in saying like i really wish they'd gotten rid of um it feels weird saying this after having seen a, a, a movie about uh six MacGuffins, but they should have gotten <laughs> rid of the MacGuffins uh, uh at the at the end of god of war and streamlined um the the ending because i do think um for all the game's problems for all the game's lack of reckoning with sort of uh uh its history of misogyny and sexual violence like um if you if you take the game's journey at its sort of like face value of like trying to uh, fulfill the wishes of Kratos' wife and Atreus' mother, like the the ending of the game, like I th- like the like the moment where they like reach Jotunheim and like have the moment with their ashes, like is I think like a really strong emotional moment for the game, but one that was deeply undercut by the fact that it took so long it takes- to get there, and especially because I thought the game for the first I don't know. Like, 10, 15 hours? Like, for as long as that seems? And as someone that constantly rails on games for being too long and not cutting their fluff, like, felt, like, pretty tight. And, like, I wasn't complaining about where the storytelling was going. But then it just seemed like, ugh, like, really? Like, blech. And it just, it really took a lot of the, uh, uh, it took too long to get there. And though, right. even though I found that moment to be, like, cathartic and, and well done, um, it, it, it took, because, because of the sheer length 
uh, it, it like it really just it wasn't able to sell it as much as it it should have been. Yeah, for me, by the time I got there, I was like so off board and was not. I like I definitely had I didn't like the kind of climax of that game, which is the the big final fight with Balder and right. Freya. Um, I think that that scene is is just not. I think as a fight, I think as a gameplay like boss fight, it's like I've fought this guy three times now, and these fights are not. This is just redoing mechanics from previous fights. But the I think first one was good, and then they did it two more. And times. They did it two more times, and also the, it uses stuff from the Magni Modi fight, also the kind of like slow turn facing thing. Uh, but then, like, narratively, like, I really don't like what happens with Freya as the only woman in that game with a voice who isn't a side-optional Valkyrie boss fight. Um, mm-hmm. To, like, have the only woman in that game be an overprotective, abusive mother is, like, whew, that's a choice to make, you know? Well, they, did, they don't – and, and, and yeah. if you're going to go there, you've got – for a game as long as it is, yeah. you know, they don't give any time for that story to breathe, and, right? And like, they, if – and they have, if you're going to go yeah. there, like you have to, like you have to give these characters arcs, and like they originally, it's not earned. It's it's not earned. Like it's just it's 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 rushed at the very end, like to to give like backstory and meaning to like the conflict between uh, Balder and Freya, and like the, the original moment that you have where you, when you're in, um, you're in hell uh, when the, you in, see yeah, the, hell of the underworld, and you yeah. yeah, and you and you have that moment. Where it's revealed why Balder is so angry and upset with his mother, and, and why like, he's invincible, why he's immortal, and why he's invincible. And it's actually like a like pretty well like in, for like a exposition dump. Like it's handled like pretty well, like contextually for like a reason that you would be sitting and just kind of watching. Think like you're climbing over around him to get to the you know the the ship that you're using to to try and get out of the underworld, and it adds like a like a. I, it gives a little bit of sympathy to like Balder as well, a character. Like, I don't, they, like, we don't see him before that moment. All we ever see yes. of him is as an asshole, and then yes. we see Freya being like, uh, "I don't like." We get a, a line of dialogue about how he's like a partier, basically. <laughs> like he's right. out fighting, killing people, drinking, having sex, and she's like, "Your life is super dangerous. I don't want you to get hurt anymore. So now you can't feel anything." Um, and it is just like it, it feels like such a. I mean, there's two things. One is. When you only have one woman in the game, it puts a lot of pressure on her to represent femininity and and to represent women in general. Whereas we have this broad array of men to look at, we have Sindri Please, and there Brock. There are two and- women. You're carrying around right. the-, the ashes <laughs> for the entire game. She's there. Austin. Uh-huh. She, well, okay, so actually there's a question uh, that, that, that we got that came in that, that kind of hits on this. Uh, let me pull it up really quick because because you're right. There is there is also <laughs> Faye, who is who is the other um, – Double – they couldn't even give – you know, they both had to start their names with F. Like, come on, Sony Santa Monica. Uh, I think that both of them come from a particular um, – a particular uh, myth. Um, I mean, oh. I know for a fact that with with F- Freya, they actually do. So f- you, you notice that they that she's both Frigga or Frigg and also Freya. Um, that is a collapsing of two characters in Norse mythology that some theorists or academics think could have had a similar origin or might overlap. Like, that is a reading of the characters of Frigg and Freya, but in a game where there's only one woman character, it's again like, oh, you actually could have had... Frigg, who is this one type of Norse god, who I think was uh, an Aesir, and then Freya, who is a, a Vanir or whatever, right? Like they, you could have done those two different things. Um, in any case, uh, this one comes in from... All right, so this comes in from Charlie. 
the more the game went on, the more I felt the absence of the wife character. We find out so much about her through the game, but could the game have benefited from actually including her more as a character? The series at large has never depicted women very well, but for all of the quote-unquote maturity this God of War re- reboot goes for, it does feel that women are once again underrepresented, Freya in particular. I think this. Uh, I think it points to the truth that narrative designers haven't really matured themselves. In fact, there seems to be a glaring lack of insight. Um, and then, and then, uh, uh, kind of as a as an extension of that, like when do we get the mom version of this game instead, where we have the the character who is like who it, where we are getting the Freya character, right? Because weirdly, the message of this game for me gets kind of really muted and and. Um, like there's a sort of centrism of parenting at work, right? Where it's like, well, you can't be a Kratos. You can't be a Kratos who is like a mean dad, but you can't be the overprotective mom either. Like this is what toxic masculinity and like abusive motherhood look like. You got to find the right middle ground, which is like, you know, a one-armed hug. And like, that is it. (laughs) Um, and so I, so I do think that like, I mean, like they do, they do say that like, uh, Although uh, Atreus is not a killing machine when uh, it is, they are introduced, that um, there are like lines of dialogue that suggest like she was training him to hunt. That like she was, I mean, she was not uh, a, a murderous rage machine, but that you know she wasn't oblivious to the fact that Atreus would have to like right. go out. Well- Fend for himself, and the and, final like, reveal is that she, in fact, was hiding things from them, right. uh, hiding her own her own heritage as a giant, and and hiding the knowledge of this prophecy or or whatever cyclical time Norse stuff. Um, but it is one of those things where it's just like all you needed was to actually embody Faye a couple of times. We see other characters embodied who are not physically there. We see Athena show up. We see Zeus show up. We see. That's uh, when I thought they were going to do it. Like when you were when yes. you were in hell, it seemed like oh. This is when there's going to – even if Atreus doesn't get a chance to talk to uh, his mother, like Kratos will have – like maybe they could like like basically put it into like a scene or two where Kratos at least like the, talks to her and that ends up as being some, some sort of way of not only giving her voice into the story but recognizing and acknowledging like other parts of this the series canon that – the game like basically like ignores or doesn't want to talk about in in this game, and they just choose despite having like the narrative re- like the the cont- contextual narrative reason and one that they deploy through you know other means. I mean, I, I guess if you want to get like you know hyper specific, like they the things you're haunted that's the only things you see in hell are the things you're haunted by. But like yeah. what the fuck ever, like you can be haunted by the death of your wife and you know find a reason to to bring her into the story um, and. Yeah, I, mean, I think they have the bit where you know, you know, Atreus sees Kratos like you know beating the shit out of Zeus's face, like right. one of the most. I don't know, the game, the series has a lot of violent moments, and like, go if you have not played God of War three, like, go <laughs> fucking watch uh, a YouTube clip of uh, of Kratos being the crap out of of Zeus towards the the end of that game. Um, it's, it's both horribly grotesque and also. It's mechanically interesting because in that moment, like the way that like beating things up in these games usually works is that you tap the buttons until you know it triggers the cutscene and then you move on. And in that sequence, they never actually stop until oh, that's, okay. you stop. Right. And so if you like, there are YouTube videos where like watch Kratos bash Zeus's face for ten minutes God. because the game just won't stop until you physically stop pressing the buttons, which. In a much smarter game, that would have been, like, a really interesting, like, trick to deploy, uh, based on, you know, about player agency, but, you know, God of War 3 did not. (laughs) Did not. 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. No, no. Well, and so like that's that's I think part of the thing here too is the Freya climax, which is you know Balder arrives uh, at a twist of fate because of the mistletoe, which is tied to which is which is from the the actual myth. Mistletoe is the thing that Balder is weak to for some reason. Um, uh, Balder uh, loses his his invincibility. He starts to be able to feel again, uh, and in that moment decides like, all right, well, I mean, he's already decided he's going to go kill his mom. He's going to go kill Freya. Um, and we get this like very rough fight sequence, which is Freya being like, yo, stop trying to kill each other. Um, like whatever happens, happens. I am good. I'm ready to face this thing. Stop trying to kill my son. Uh, and you and, and, uh, Atreus, Kratos and Atreus being like, no, stop it. Don't let this guy kill you. Uh, we're going to hold him down and beat the shit out of him. Um, there's actually a couple moments in there where, like, uh, I did not hit him. Like, there's a moment where you get to hold Balder down, and I did not hit the punch button because I was really curious what would happen. And it just mm. hold, you just hold him there. You just hold him there for, like, 30 seconds, and then the, the fight continues. And then it's just like, oh, no, you, he shakes you off finally, and you get to keep fighting, and he moves oh, on to the weird. next phase. Yeah, I um, beat him up. Totally, totally. <laughs> uh, right, so I, and I didn't, because I was like, all right, Freya's like, chill, I'm going to chill. Like, we'll hold him down, let's talk it out. Right, let's let's go through some magic shit. Let's go find another MacGuffin that lets us all be able to have a conversation about our fuck-ups. Um, Especially just like Freya, uh, you know, during the, the sequences where you head back to her, you know, house under yeah. the turtle, um, which I'll – side note, like that, that turtle, the first time you see the turtle and it rises up. It's a cool turtle. Of, oh, my God. Just like, a really a cool, fucking cool turtle. sequence in the game. Um, uh, she comes across as like a, like a very pragmatic and like thoughtful and like the way that like she's like when she kind of gets on to what Kratos' like bullshit is, mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> yo, you're fucking up and like you need to – like come to terms with like the reality of your situation and like the the harm you're doing to your son by not giving him the full scope of like who he is and who you are. Right. Um, and it just now, granted, obviously, it's probably a lot easier. You know, I, as a parent, I'm like slowly learning this. It's a lot easier to give other people advice about what you should do than to take that advice and deploy it into your own life. Um, that said, like the the way she turns into like a stereotypical like shrilling overprotective mom at the end like also it both undermines the character that's presented right. and they don't do enough um background with her and Boulder and that it's like it pro- I, there's reason to believe it would be a problem no matter how they arrived at it but like, by as not long even as giving weren't... the character enough time to right. to move in that direction for you to understand the history of the character that relationship it's like right. they give it all of there's so much talking in this game, and lots of good talking. Yep. That they, but you get what? Maybe five minutes total with those that? two characters. Like, you get stuff through Mimir, who's the head, whose name I, I I looked up. There you go. Um, you get Mimir, who talks about Freya and Odin and their relationship kind of falling apart, and kind of Freya doubting all gods and blah 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 blah. Like you do get some of that stuff, but what you don't get is like 
In what world is it where Balder is like worse as a person than as this is Richard? Richard wrote in uh, a fan of ours wrote, wrote in to say like. Um, uh, Kratos killing Baldur is framed as a tough thing, a tough thing, but right thing to do in the game. Um, but Baldur's crimes are way less bad than Kratos's, and the entire game is about Kratos being an okay person. The entire game is about how Kratos gets to have his redemption arc. He gets to have been the Baldur character and still be able to move forward and like find his his right, you know, his rightness again. Um, we don't get that from Balder. Like, I'm, not, I'm not asking for a Balder redemption arc. What I'm asking for is like some sort of reckoning with Kratos's historical misogyny and and abuse against women and and just like general shittiness in a way that that accounts for Balder being his his foil there instead of just being an antagonist. Right? Like those conversations are not. There, but by by the grace of the gods, go I. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's not even like, oh, I can't, I don't want to look like Balder to my son. Um, and in fact, part of the thing that was so tough for me was that final fight with Balder is is a moment of synthesis for this game and its and its two contrasting positions. Right throughout that game, what we have is Kratos on one side and Atreus on the other. Kratos is uh, all action, and Atreus is all is all reaction and thought. Right, uh, Kratos is is you know all about closing close your heart. He says right over and over again, close your heart to it. He's all about um, you know having a single thing he's focused on and not stopping to help people along the way. Atreus is constantly pushing to help other people. Um, and eventually that, that switches a little bit and then they kind of pivot it when, when Atreus finds out he's a god and even though he's been <laughs> raised and taught by both of his parents that the gods fucking suck, he immediately is like, I'm a god now. Fuck y'all. I'm a teenager. Um, uh, but in the end, the, the, the kind of synthesis of those positions is like this sort of like, oh, we need to be powerful, but also wise. And we see Atreus like turning into action movie Atreus in the fight scene against Balder at the end, where he's like doing a cool flip and he's like flying through the air and shooting the arrow downwards as they fall off the giant. And like all of that stuff represented to me like, oh, this is supposed to be like Atreus is not final form, but like, you know what I mean? Like we found him. He's the right. They, the, these two positions have come together. And now this is what a good father son relationship looks like killing this this other son um and it it landed really flat for me actually for a similar reason to the kind of the stuff we talked about in um the black panther uh waypoint 101 which was that it it, it feels like it defangs much of atreus's very sharp criticism of kratos throughout the game by finding this middle ground position that says like Sometimes you have to, even though someone says, like, don't interfere and help me, you have to kill their son anyway. Like, even even when someone else is saying, like, no, I care too much about this child for you to, to hurt him. Like, you got to step in sometimes. And there's even that, like, throwaway bit afterwards where, where Mimir is like, well, you know, maybe there was no right answer here, shrug. Um, but for the player, the right answer was killing him because there wasn't another answer. There was no other way to do anything there. And they that don't was have just any agency no. over the moment. Not that I expect agency to be at every presented mo- in, right, in a right. game like this. So then you're so heavily reliant on the story that the care that the the you know the, the writers are here to tell. That even if it feels at odds with the st- the, the very story that they're they've pitched, you don't have any say in seeing it go some other way. You're at the the whims of how they've chosen to. To present that, and right? The uh, I mean that, that that line that Mimir has like feels very like 
uh, it's very similar to like the 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 way like the Simpsons have re- responded to like Apu is like mm, like what do you do when like you have this like problematic <laughs> fucked up character? I don't know. I don't Just know. Tough one. Things are the things are the way they are. They are the way they are. I guess. Yeah. Um, um, and gra- granted, like Mimir, like even when he says that line, like I don't believe he. He I, believes I'm not it. sure that I, I don't think he believes that because, yeah. like, he shows an awareness throughout the entire yes. game that is just like, y'all are fucked up. Do you and, think? Do you uh, think Mamir is Mamir? Do you think? Do you think there's a secret there? A manual from Motherboard and I were talking about this the other day. It never crossed my mind. What's the theory? Uh, he's Odin. That he's Odin and his mind has been wiped. The way that he can't remember other things about uh, Balder. He's like he has one eye, which is Odin one eye. Odin has one eye, uh, and that like the other gods have like tortured him and tied him up and have mind like have messed up his mind uh, and that he's not in fact like a british fey guy who 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 like fell into this world um that's that's one of the many interesting theories i i've i've heard about this how do you, how do you square that with him getting the, the 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 giant's eyes did odin get the giant's eyes as well i know the two people and it's it's mamira eventually reveals that there are sure. two people that gave got the the, gi- eyes the, the eyes giants. of the giants. It's tear. Oh, um, uh, and the answer is just like time is cyclical and weird, right? Okay, um, sure. I'm, right. I'm still pretty con- confident that Kratos is tear. Kratos or Atreus will grow up to be tear. Um, tear is like tear was like one of the earliest Norse gods and is the god of like war and justice in in Norse mythology. Okay. Uh, uh, and I'm pretty sure. Sh- and the fact that Tyr's whole thing is like, I went to Egypt. I went to Japan. Uh, I went to the other places in, in like beyond the Norse realms. Like you go, you know, you go through all. Well, that's actually part of like Tyr's like fiction. In the game. That's part of creative. In the game, you like, when you go around Tyr's vault and all that, you see that like, oh, there's just like a sarcophagus here. He just has like a sphinx and like a pyramid. And yeah, and, there was, and there's some like throwaway line yes. where like there was some interactable that, was it was like oh what are those and it's like oh that's from a land far away from here. right and, it was and he fight, he's the wine he's the wine from from the from the greeks and i was like it's so easy for me to imagine given the weird cyclical nature of the norse mythology stuff where it's like oh yeah the end of days is coming and also it already happened and the the wolves are chasing the sun and also they already ate it you know um that one of those oh, characters the, the, the is whole, the whole reason that the the world uh serpent uh, World Serpent is even there is because Ragnarok already happened. Right. Ragnarok needed to happen right. for the World Serpent to appear, but, but the World Serpent appears before Ragnarok already happened. Yeah, totally. Which, that's just the way I, it I'm works. Cool. I actually like that stuff. And almost, we actually, again, we got a really good question in about that. About Which was more explicit because yeah. I, I don't think it lays it out like the way you pick up on some of it. And if you're familiar with Norse mythology, maybe mm-hmm. you, you start connecting some things in a way that like makes maybe what they're proposing or the context they're putting the story in a little bit. Uh, more interesting, right? Because even you just laying out there, I was like, "Oh, right, okay, right." I, um, anyway, uh, what this one came in from Neil, who says, "I just finished the game today, and while I quite liked it, I was left really cold by how how badly the stories of Norse mythology were incorporated into the plot. They threw a lot of names of gods, giants, and dwarves around, but the writers didn't seem to capture any of the flavor of melancholy and loss that is everywhere in Norse mythos. The gods mm-hmm. are untrustworthy and are no better than people, but also have the full knowledge of their impending destruction. This seems ripe of, for the telling of an interse- or of an interesting God of War story, but they don't even seem to try. Did you feel the setting of the game was really just dressing, set dressing for the father-son storyline? What games do you like that successfully incorporate the environment of the game of the game into the storytelling? Um, I mean, I definitely think the center point of this game is the father-son story, right? Like, and and uh, there was definitely some cool stuff that I know is is drawn from the Norse mythology stuff, but uh, it it did not 
I, I definitely left wishing feels, I'd had more. It still feels like very much like window dressing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I wanted more because that stuff was fascinating. But it, and it seemed, and it's certainly the way they like they end the game. It's like they're it's sort of unavoidable that they're not going to be able to. They're going to have to dive like, right. like more uh, uh, sort of like uh, concretely into some of this stuff. But it seemed like there was uh, definitely trying to pull back on. Like, whereas God of War 3, God of War 2, I mean, all the God of War games, like, were so steeped in that stuff to the point where, it all, like, every big fight was just, like, what's the next big spectacle that they're going to pull from mm-hmm. Greek mythology? And this one was like, okay, Norse gets us away from the stuff that we've, well, probably already killed. Um, <laughs> killed most of it at this point. Yeah. The whole Pantheon is dead. Um, um, but also just, like, I mean, there are very few, like, big spectacle moments like that. Like, when the sequence of the dragon happens, like, it feels like it gets a little extra oomph because uh-huh. there aren't a lot of those. Although I also ended the game. I think we talked about this in our conversation before, like, wishing there was a little bit yeah. more of that um, because they are, like, really thrilling. And I guess it's better to want more than to want less. But um, I do think they could have pushed it a little further. And I think they could have, in that same thing, I think they they went so far in the other direction of trying to remove them from all of that spectacle and mythology that it could have you could have learned something more about the world that they were in they could have right. done more with that in a way that i don't think would have necessarily compromised what they were trying to avoid but would have like i'm not sure you come out of playing this new god of war actually knowing very much about norse mythology no. <laughs> as someone that like falls into what, what i'm guessing is probably like the a lot of people which is like growing up just where there was an more innate familiarity with Greek mythology. That was just something that came up, either whether it was pop culture, osmosis, or just the kind of stories that were on. Like, I learned a lot more, knew a lot more from Greek mythology than I ever did about Norse. Like, I came into God of War actually kind of interested because, all right, like, I know here and there about Norse, but it's just not, you know, like, what I know about Norse mythology, like, probably has more to do with, like, offhand references from the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe over right. the last 10 years. Right. Um, and that may be true for a lot of people, I think. And, like, God of War, like, had an opportunity to do more of a deep dive. And, like, I think they they the the extra information you get in this game, like, the, 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 the uh, codex that they do isn't particularly good at, like, giving you yeah. extra information about the world. I think Atreus' writing, I, I can't, I'm not going to profess to necessarily claim how... Well, it represents what a seven-year-old whose <laughs> writing it is. But all I know is I checked his writing like once or twice, and then just went. None of this is interesting or enlightening. I'm just going to stop reading. These I things. checked it for the like murals to make sure I understood what the murals were about afterwards. Like whatever his little like twelve-word summary was. Yeah. Um, and that stuff wasn't great. The stuff that I will say was solid for me at least was the bit dialogue between places. Like as you went from place to place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to the degree that, like, I mean, so again, someone wrote in and basically said, like, uh, did was anyone surprised by how funny this game was, actually? Um, and for me, most of the humor was in the, um, sort of the, the conversations bit, bit by bit, like, on your way between places. Um, Alex, Alex James writes in and says, uh, uh, my question for both of you is, did, you, did either of you find the game to be funnier than you initially expected? It might just be my dry sense of humor, but I unexpectedly found God of War to be one of the funniest games I've played in a long time. From Kratos' horrendously bad stories, his bluntness with every other character in the game, including Atreus, the banter between the dwarves, both while they're apart and while they're together, and the amazing integration of Mimir's storytelling, I found myself laughing throughout the entire game. Um, and I definitely had that, like, I, and I think in general, some of the best characterization and some of the best humor is the boat stuff, is the, like, 
uh, Kratos trying to tell Aesop's fables? Is Mimir kind of giving you context for the various murals you found around the, the, the way? Um, all of that sort of stuff, uh, one, felt like it had a little bit lighter of a hand, a little bit less of a melodramatic hand on the characters. And then, I mean, obviously, right, because it's not the big story moments where you have to be really zeroed in on... It, f- it felt like the, the equivalent of, like, sitting... Like, in another game would be, like, sitting around the campfire yes. and then you're getting a couple of these side stories yes. to give you a larger context. And instead, like, I think I, one of the things to take away from this game that I hope more developers study is the way that they do exposition dumps without making them feel like... Yeah. Ex, like if they do, What they do is world building. Yeah. Like, exposition dumps are world building done poorly. Like, it's the equivalent of finding audio logs and, like, people writing notes that don't make any sense for them to have written <laughs> down. And God of War has thousands of lines related yes. to building up the world. The way the gods uh, work, the wars between the gods and the giants, the division between Aesir and Vanir, like all that stuff. And the way that they do it is they actually make it really digestible by turning all of those stories into bite-sized stories that are told to you via Mimir's like, oh, let me tell you about the time that the world serpent and Thor fought, fought or will they're fight. they're conversational, too. Yes. Like, even like the, 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 the cadence, the, the way they are told makes them seem approachable in a way that, like, for example, I, uh, uh, it's made sacrilege to a person like yourself that probably enjoys stuff of this, but, like, in the Elder Scrolls games, like, I don't, I can't, I, it's cool that, like, you can read, pick up these books right. and, like, read about the history of this world, and I'm, I, I like, I, I'm, like, in theory, I think that's really cool, and then I go to read them, and I just, I, I get two pages in, I'm like, I'm not looking at this. I mean, I played Skyrim for, like, 150 hours, and, like, I maybe spent, you know, like, 90 seconds in one of those books and like missed out on probably a lot of really cool storytelling, but the presentation, like just, it didn't engage me in a way that one, I didn't want to pause. I guess I'm not a huge fan of like pausing Mm -hmm. and reading codexes. Like I like it when it's a separate app or something like that. It's like, Oh, with my spare time, maybe I want to, I think Mass Effect did something like that. Mass Effect 3 definitely made the the codex external. Yeah. It was on the, it was in like the iPad app that you also use to play that game. Stuff like that is neat. Um, it's not usually I don't like to do that in game. I know there's a big criticism of Destiny was that like, hey, like a lot of the cool storytelling is happening you know, outside, uh, the, yeah, outside yeah. of the game. But there's no there, or what well, was in the game, and there was like, could you access it? in game? No, was you it, couldn't. You, you ac- couldn't access those cards in the game. That's the worst oh, okay, thing. So that you was couldn't the, that even was the do thing. that. Um, but but I, yes. I guess long story short is that I, they found a really smart ways of, of doing a lot of world building um, that I wish more games would think about finding. Like they integrate it into a character right. who makes sense to be a storyteller, right. and then it doesn't feel it doesn't feel forced. It feels like very much like this is what you would do in boring parts of the game when you're going from point A to point B. I still think it is complete bullshit that you don't unlock actual fast travel in this game until you beat it. Like I actually thought my game was glitched when it's like, oh, why why can't I just jump between the portals? Why is it only <laughs> that I can go from a portal yeah. back to the main hub? And not back again. And then when it unlocked after I beat it, I was like, oh, they were just saving that for the end. But it just – they should have unlocked that a lot sooner because there was like side stuff that I could have gotten to faster or it was just one of those small things that bothered me. But yeah, uh, like that all feeds into things we've talked about before about how they handle like you know the cutting yes. off of conversations. That's like, like one of those decisions I will support in terms – even though I didn't like it, it's like, all right – I want there to be a world where you can have idiosyncratic games that have things like that as a primary decision of like, we know we don't want, we always want there to be room for these side conversations to be happening. We don't want to cut blah, blah, blah. Even though it didn't really affect me much, or even though I, I would prefer that they didn't do that. I, I will, you know, I will defend to the death your right to have a fucking long loading. Like I'm the dragon's dog, my guy, you know, like <laughs> I, it's who I am. Um, 
Um, I will say there though that the the as, as kind of an extension on that, um, I do wish that some of the side stuff had. The, it ended up being at the beginning of the game. The conversations that were between side things were like, "Oh man, I can't wait to stop and like listen." I, like I, I'm totally happy to stop and listen to the side stuff because it's really cool. Um, but by the end of that game, it was like, "I wish you would just keep telling the story in the background while I'm killing these nonsense ghosts or whatever." Because I don't care about killing these ghosts. I'm just trying to clear right. up some side shit and see if anything cool happens. I'm just trying to light all these braziers to see if it does anything. Um, like I'm not. I don't care about fighting these boss. These like mini bosses at this point uh just, just it would have been neat if the game at some point had mamir say like hey like why don't we just like keep talking right like right. during like and some where you could have hit like some button that's like yeah yeah, yeah just keep going yeah like totally cool totally um let me do another question really quick this one comes in from natasha who says could you touch on the specific representation of masculinity in the game and the surrounding male reception of it in uh, uh among game critics specifically it seems as if kratos's character holds fascist tendencies with some of the lessons that he implicitly and explicitly conveys to his son and one moment he tells atreus to quote close his heart to the violence and pain they are inflicting on their enemies quote unquote and another he uses the aesop table of the thief and the mother to illustrate that pain and punishment are necessary Necessary to grow strong children, which is something that previous fascist movements throughout history also employ to reinforce their ideology. Then I wondered if you could contextualize this representation of masculinity with how many male game critics have responded positively to the narrative of the game with how, quote, mature it is and how much they're able to relate and reflect themselves in Kratos' struggle as a father. I know Patrick has professed that he found himself able to relate to the fatherhood theme of the game, so maybe he has some thoughts on how he and possibly other male critics found something to relate to within Kratos. Personally, among my male friends, uh, personally and among my male friends, we think uh, we highly think this character is bordering on fascist with moral values he's conveying, and of course is a symptom of toxic ma- toxic masculinity. Yet it's worrying for us to see how many male critics and gamers who say they can relate to him. Uh, it's actually really scary and frightening that anyone can reflect uh, themselves in Kratos. <laughs> um, uh, and then, and, and then, like finally, like well, actually, we'll go to the second part later because I think this, this is another question that we should get to. But for me, I think when I read that stuff, what I mostly see, I mean, so uh, speaking for myself, one, I, as I mentioned in the previous episode of, of Waypoint Radio, I definitely related way more to Atreus than Kratos um, in terms of having a father who has a child I was scared of and who I had to learn how to develop a certain relationship with and who saw his father confront his own history of toxicity and violence and abuse uh, and who grew as a person. Um, and I suspect that and from what I've read, from talking to you, Patrick, and from talking to some other people who've played the game, the thing that's being related to is that the game's arc is about Kratos learning to hug his son and like learning how to become a softer character, which is, I think, a, a totally fair thing to critique, one, how he gets there, which is mostly by learning how to kill things with his son, and two, uh, two is like, do we tell that story? What's the value of telling the Kratos story here instead of the Atreus story, first and foremost, or right. from that perspective? Or, as people have written in and suggested, uh, the story of a daughter or the story of a whole new character, right? Like, right. outside of IP rights, outside of Sony <laughs> greenlighting a game that has Kratos as the lead character again. Um, but I'm curious, Patrick, for you, like, that first half of that game is just a constant – for me, it was like, just like, oh, fuck off Kratos. Like, 
put a hand on your shoulder, on your son's shoulder. Like, tell him it's okay to be upset sometimes. Like, you, you, you know that that stuff's true because you've been through it. Uh, two, you must have not been this big of an asshole at some point in your past because you managed to, like, marry Faye and have a kid with her. And I, based on all of the representation that she has in, in secondhand stories about her, she doesn't seem like the sort of person who would be, like, into your grumbly asshole bullshit. Um, so, like, like that stuff was hard for me, um, even though I also know it was the kind of point of the story that they were setting up to go from completely toxic, you know, shitty dad to well, son, we we did it, we're and we're friends now, you know, like that arc definitely seems to be intentional. But well, how about for you? Was was that how did how did you relate to Kratos outside of I have this responsibility? Well, my dad murdered the Greek pantheon. Okay, well, and, uh, uh, no. So for me, I and I I can't speak for other writers. Um, this is not something I got into into my review, but like, so as someone that you know, my daughter's eighteen months. You know, you know, almost two, and you know, I think a lot about my dad in relation to my daughter because uh, it's natural to think about your parents when you're raising a kid, but but also. Uh, the generation that, and I see this reflected in a lot of my friends and like how their fathers treated them when they were growing up. Like it was just not a, a world where like men were like sensitive or talk or just talked to their kids. Like you'll hear lots of stories where like sons and or probably daughters and and, and fathers actually have like real conversations about things. Like when they're much much older and like things about like end of life and just like. It's a different relationship at that point. Um, and my dad was a very good person. He was a loving father. He just never expressed anything like that. Like, I I probably don't think my dad ever told me that he loved me, even though I definitely know, know that he did. He expressed that in different ways, but it was not something that ever came out of his mouth. Like, there's this, there's a good story of when I was 16, right after I got in a car. I got my first car accident. and like, nearly totaled the car. Um, I was coming out of a... I was going back to get back during my uh, curfew, which was midnight at the time, or eleven thirty, or something like that. And it was at my first girlfriend's place, and I was like, kind of racing to get back. And I, uh, it was lightly raining, and so when I was coming off of the red light, I, like, I just came out too hard. Like I didn't like go, you know, zero to sixty, but I went. Uh, fast enough that you, I hydroplaned and you read about hydroplaning and they tell you what you're supposed to do when you hydroplane, which is, you know, where your car gets slick on the wheels and, Mm -hmm. uh, you're supposed to like tap the brake and like turn in the opposite direction. But like, fuck man, when you're hydroplaning, it's scary as shit. So I ended up like going off the road and like completely like fucking up the left side of the car, um, uh, against a, uh, telephone pole, which clearly could have gone a whole lot worse and been a much Worst situation, and this is before cell phones, so I had to walk like two blocks to get to a uh, payphone to call my parents. Collect, I didn't have any change <laughs> to, to call them with, and so I called my parents. Collect, explained that I was in an accident, and like this was the kind of thing where like my, especially my dad hated when like we started driving. It like he was a safety nut, and <sighs> like to not be in control, like just really drove him up a wall. And um, so I figured like, oh, this is it, like. Like, I never have actually feared that my dad would ever hit me. He's not that kind of person, but, like, fuck. Like, I fucked up. This car is in horrible shape. Like, this is – I'm either grounded for eternity or some sort of belt is coming out. And uh, he came over. Like, we took care of it. And he never said anything. Right. Not a not a one. He just took care of it. 
And I remember asking my dad or my mom like a week later, like, what the hell, mom? Like, okay, when, like, when's, when does the hammer drop? Like, I've gotten in trouble for like small things. And like, the, here's the big thing. And like nothing. And she's like, look, honey, you're, your father's just happy you're safe and that you called and everything got taken care of. And that's how he shows that he loves you. And I was like, well, being, like, nobody like super cool if like he just <laughs> fucking told me uh-huh. that. And so it's moments like that, like that's where I found my way into this relationship between Kratos and Atreus was like when my father passed away five years ago, like we were on wonderful terms. The last uh, uh, conversation we had was him dropping me off to meet with my friends to uh, go on my bachelor party. My dad passed away about a month before I got married. And so that part sucks. But like I had very good memories of the last interaction with my dad. I had a very good relationship with him but it was not one that ever like i never got to have that moment that people talk about that i'm very jealous of of like what happens when parents and children get older and so in my mind i was like i've always thought as a parent like i never i don't want that to happen to my kid i don't want them to ever have to think about that uh, to feel that way to never never be a question and it wasn't a question for me but i had to do some inferring (laughs) that i don't want to happen to my daughter and what other uh, kids I, I I eventually have. Um, and so that's what I saw a lot in Kratos and Atreus was like uh, a father learning to be like sensitive and empathetic and to express themselves. And although I'm starting from a position far different than <laughs> Kratos, um, like just like, you know, the, the weird, like what it's like to be in public with, a kid as a father, like as a man, like the expectations that go into that, the way those those things are changing. Like I just there's a lot going on, at least from my perspective, being like a young male father in twenty eighteen and like what that that arc of Kratos and watching him learn to verbalize his emotions as like shitty as they often were, um, was something I saw myself in in a in a much different light and like wanting that to be something that I don't want to be Kratos. Like I want that something that like my daughter knows, you know, from day one. Right. Um, and so that was, that was ended up being my, like, I get what that person is saying. Like, fuck, like he's so violent. And like the things he's teaching are bad. Like, I agree with you. Like 100%. Like you, you're right. And that's why like talking to folks about how they can't get over the hump on this game. Like what I ended up doing. And I think this is true for a lot of people is, is like seeing for it like what it gave back to you or like your way into it as opposed to necessarily looking at it 100% as like the story of Kratos and Atreus. It's like the story of Kratos and Atreus and then also you and how you play into that. Uh-huh. And I think that's going to vary based on the player. Like right. That's going to vary based I, on what you can – what you bring to it. And, and maybe that's not universally true for everyone, but that that's where I came from in finding my right. way – to that relationship. Well, so like, it's one of those things that frustrates me is that we don't get enough of that second thing. Uh, that's that that kind of the second step, the third step, the final step of Kratos becoming the sort of father who you would want to be. Um, it's part of why I'm so frustrated by the sort of synthesis between those two positions is because it, it ends up being something still closer to who Kratos was originally than to what Atreus demands, which is someone who is opener or who is much more open, who is who is affectionate. Uh, and like, you know, the, the kind of big final, one of the big final moments, the two big final moments in that game are you're going up the mountain. One, uh, Kratos says basically, like, I don't have anything to hide anymore and takes off the bandages that have been hiding the scars from the old chains of, of 
chaos, blades of chaos chains that have like burnt his his arms, right? And you're like, ah, oh, like it's a, it's it's you know symbolic, right? Like, oh, I'm open now. Right. I'm willing to show that I that I'm wounded and that I have a history of violence and like all of that. But like, and, and then the other thing is that he lets he lets Atreus carry the 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 ashes and, and share the share in the release of them over the the field or over the the kind of um valley uh, at the at the top um and he puts a hand on his shoulder right and it's like all of those things are still within the realm of <laughs> traditional <laughs> western masculinity do you know what i mean right. like the one hand on shoulder is is like about as good dad as anything in the 1950s would show you do you know what i mean like that's what you would. That's it's like, it's like that's like the end to like a season of Mad Men. Like, right, oh, this right. drunk cheating asshole could also be good to his kid. Could also put a like hand every- on his right. Like we don't even see him lift his son in the air and toss him in the air. We don't even see like a deep embrace. We don't even see, let alone what I would love to see, which is like I almost want the Red Dead thing here, right? Which is like show me them in in domesticity for a little bit. Show me them just like living a life and i want to see what kratos is like when atreus fucks up again because he's a kid and he's gonna fuck up that's the part that like we get the opposite we get atreus becoming the bratty teenager who literally stops responding to your button presses which is like a kind of cheap but also good thing like a good maneuver of like i'm hitting the fucking shoot button and he's not shooting um but we get the like but we don't we don't get the 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 next we don't get the alternative of that which is like i want to see kratos pushed to good good parental figure good mentor good father good like person who is more than just like all right well i guess we're partners in this whole exploration and adventuring shit now and now we're friends also as well as, well as being dad and son like i i want to see what that actually looks like because if the idea is that you're presented a model not to be which is the closed off angry kind of fascistic or like uh at the at the very least emotionally abusive kratos uh at the top mm-hmm. of the game we just don't get to spend any time with and, and, and to some degree this is a, a problem with these sorts of stories and the ways in which stories uh weigh uh kind of redemption stories are about getting you to a a state of redemption not at showing what the the value of uh, improvement and and redemption um or at least here the value is now you can super shoot fucking balder by the end of that game let me just hit square like four times in a row and balder doesn't have a fucking chance because atreus is a dope (laughs) fighter by the end of that game and like that's not uh, there's no great takeaway there you know yeah and i uh if if it doesn't you know we've i think we talked about uh in a waypoint radio conversation about like you know sony does a lot of dlc for these you know uh, these games my guess is they're going to do some sort of like major expansion that comes out you know, right. eight months from now, like probably something later this year or early next. Um, I, I hope rather than off to do another epic battle, although I'm sure it'll have like some epic battles that I would love if like that's what the DLC focused on was like just like mundane. Like right. it was like, okay, now that, you know, Ragnarok seems like that's going to be whether it's the next game or the game after that, like that's clearly the end game for a lot of like the storytelling that they're they're setting up. Like I'd love if like the DLC was actually not super action focused or bombastic, but was actually just like lets them live in like the new reality that did they you, are and like maybe Did you get the secret ending? Did you see the secret ending? I is that where you go back to the house? Yeah, you go back to I the haven't house. done it yet. Yeah. So what happens at the house? It, like you go back to the house, you like put your stuff down uh, you toss him a mirror on the bed. <laughs> you each get into bed and like, it's like sleep. And like in all your armor, you lay down on a pillow. And then it goes like, 
three years later or two years later. It actually doesn't say that. It just says years later. Uh, And it's like storming out and it's thunder and lightning and the lightning like smashes through the roof and you get up and you get your axe and you open the door and there's Thor. Or presumably, Mm. yeah, it's Thor because it it like zooms in and it's just like a shadowy figure wearing a cloak and at his waist, like, like holstered like a fucking revolver (laughs) is, is the, is Mjolnir, the, the, like lightning hammer uh right. and he like literally does like a quick draw style like finger like pose like his hand goes out next to it he like pulls back his cloak to reveal the hammer um so like i get it like thor hangs heavy over this game thor very much is like it's also years later though right so maybe there is an opportunity for them to do something like a dlc that's yes in between yes totally um, because it just seems like and I, I don't know what the the, the plan is like there was uh uh uh, Jason Schreier and Kirk Hamilton interviewed Corey Barlog over on Kotaku, and like Corey said that he's like, you know, I kind of sketched out like roughly five games. That doesn't mean they're making another five. It's just that like, you know, somewhere on a board is like, here are the major beats that we could do for five of these games. Um, one, that's a lot of God of War that's games. That's too many God of War games. And even Corey has said that, that you know, like – Right. I'm like sure lots of people plan out a timeline that is a lot more than what they actually end up doing. Stuff like that can condense. It's neither here nor there. It's more just – I the, the we talked about this uh, I think both in the stream and in the podcast was about like it just only seems like the story can escalate from here and that seems to go against like my very favorite – like what – like this game was purposely isolated so they could try and avoid some of that stuff and I'm just – I don't know how they're going to do that or if they'll be able to avoid doing that the second time around because that's what I actually want is just like a more isolation with those characters, doing more mundane things. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just I don't know how they're going to avoid that. I hope they can surprise me because I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see, you know, kind of where they take Atreus uh, from here, I I know that like the reveal that he's Loki like was supposed to be like an oh my god, but like yeah. maybe I don't know enough to like why I was supposed to be like is that is it just because that's like weird for the timeline or is that the cyclical stuff like um I, why is it a big deal I, it, uh, it's a big it is we it is weird because of some of the stuff Loki gets up to historically uh, okay. or I mean like in terms of like I, I'm pretty sure the world serpent is his child yes that's correct oh. the world serpent is loki's child like so he so uh, he's Atreus the father of the, be- the belly of his son yeah that's a thing that happened hell mm. is loki's child um oh right there's like lots of weird s- stuff around that st- around loki um so who knows like at this point like that that reveals like okay like we're just we're in the fucking wilds now like Right. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. I'm going to be here to hear. I'm gonna, I'm curious about where it goes. Like, you just have to kind of buckle up and go for it. You can't just, like, all right, cool. Also, it pays off. Can I turn into animals? Because, yes, Loki can turn into animals. Is that, like, oh, one of those first right. things that, one of the first things that, that Atreus is like, can I turn into animals? I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> like, Loki historically, not historically, but mythologically, absolutely turned into various animals. Um, that stuff, that, the, like, the Loki thing didn't really. I don't know. That was like a goofy reveal to some degree because it felt like it was so it was just like almost like process of elimination. Like, all right, whose name is a character who is a character whose name hasn't come up and who would be known to a wide enough audience because they've seen the Marvel movies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
Uh, and then, yeah, it's... And, then, and making Loki a child when most people's, like, popular culture perception of him is, like, you know, an, an older brother that's been around for... Well, well so here's the other thing, is that, like, Loki is not the brother of Thor in Norse mythology, right? Right, right And right. so, like, I'm curious how they... I mean, obviously... I'm curious how many people finished that game and was like, oh, does that mean that that actually Thor is also Kratos's? Like, what is the like do people right. know that Loki is not Thor's brother in Norse mythology? And how does that studio deal with that in a weird way, knowing that their audience thinks that because they've all seen the Thor movies and the Avengers movies? You know, like it's a Yeah, you, you almost can't like tell these stories without realizing that like, yeah, most people's perception of of that whole world is severely tainted by how it's been rolled out by Marvel for the last 10 years. Right, right. And, and, and you know, maybe there is maybe there is some side story where in which that is a thing that's suggested and it doesn't just it isn't just a thing that or, or you know maybe that's even maybe they're just adopted brothers or something in the in the Marvel universe movies. Maybe that's all it is. So who knows. Um the I don't know, it's like it was one of those things where like I thought the moment of releasing the ashes worked for me. Um pretty pretty much it's just I didn't think it would be on one hand I was so happy to be done because I did not like the final act of that game the final like you said five to ten hours felt like it was a bit of a slog I really hated that second return to hell in terms of mechanics that like boat oh, the flying, that flying ship. ship stuff was like so exhausting and I was just like it's not challenging. It's not making me do anything interesting in the combat. I'm no, fighting like, the oh, same like, enemies. Okay, we're in another combat sequence. Like fight them off again until yep, yep. The fire moves your ship again. Um, yeah, and then and then you know even even beyond that, it was just about like they're doing they they switch to lore dump they switch to like oh this is the realm of giants your mother must have been a giant and also here's like there's this old mural and the mural looks like it's going to be sad because create like it was like oh, i want all this to be contextualized through mere you know um kind of posturing or at least interpreting and instead we don't get that stuff because you know that game isn't made yet you know <laughs> like i'm sure they have good you know, big- one one thing they do do that i uh i really liked was the way the game handles like the post game like the, the post ending you know obviously you get dumped back into the to the world um and you can see like you know they you know part of ragnarok is like there's a like it's a long winter yes. or eternal yes. winter or whatever the whatever the thing um and the characters comment on that like it's it was cool to yeah. actually have the game finish and then with the the mamir starts telling stories about ragnarok yes. and contextualizing a little bit of what happened in like the, the the final moments in, in the ending and like what could possibly come next in a way that I thought was like oh this is like a really cool way to handle like oh you're still yeah. playing like a bunch of more hours we have but content. clearly there was we a have... setup for a sequel right. and like ignoring that is kind of weird so instead of ignoring it they actually kind of wrap it into uh, uh, the way Mamir like tells stories. stories yeah that was cool I, and I, in general it's it's I'm, I'm at such a weird place because on one hand by the end of that game I didn't want to do any more side stuff. I was so done with like the I wanted to, I wanted to see the conclusion. I wanted to see the payoff for for the stakes that they had set up. Um, but on the other hand, some of my favorite moments, so many of my many my favorite moments were those little little character moments, little storytelling moments, and then some of the side content, the the side mission or the side arc with the dragon that was chained up, the side arc with the dwarven uh, like the dwarven alchemist, like all of those little side bits. To me, were as strong as the the main story stuff. Um, maybe you're the one where Atreus uh, makes a deal with um, 
the, the person who says, if you find my wife, yes. I, you can talk to your mother yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then like, I mean, obviously that doesn't work that out. Doesn't work that doesn't work out. That, that, was a, that was a good way of setting up an otherwise, like, sort of innocuous, Did you, like, combat encounter. Yeah, I, that one didn't work for me so much because I knew that it did not. I was like, this is just going to be a revenant fight. Like, this is just <laughs> if they're going to do this, they're not going to do it in a side No, quest. <laughs> exactly. But, like, what if they had? Think about that. Think about the thing where it's like, all right, you get to talk to her. Okay. She's dead. Like, that to me is like, like you get to talk to her, you say your words. And then we're still here. We still have to finish right. this quest. Like, almost would have been, um, it, it, or maybe you do with the, the. That's my cynical read on it, right? Is the is like the Kratos, or what if it's a different response based on which Kratos you are when you do that, right? Imagine the world in which you get to see, see him, see his mother again, and she gets to appear for this one side quest and says something, and, and Atreus says something, and turns back to his father, and Kratos, at the beginning of the game, is like, all right. She's dead. We knew that boy. Like, let's keep going. We still have to go do this thing. That doesn't change anything. Uh, versus uh, the end game one, which could have been like the open hearted version. You know, right? Um, that could have been neat. It's also uh, like the way we were talking about like the lack of sort of uh, like an, um, if not emotionally vulnerable, then just like more a progressed like arc to where they're clearly trying to take Kratos in in, in the direction they're trying to move him, um, even if it doesn't move that far, is like weirdly. So, like, the photo mode that they're rolling out uh, in the next <laughs> couple of weeks where you can change the faces of yeah. both Kratos – or at least Kratos. And, like, specifically you can make him smile yep. is both, like, extremely funny, extremely good, and also God. kind of, like, damning a little bit because <laughs> not that you expect Kratos to, like, smile. That seems slightly – But no, it shouldn't. That's the whole thing. He should that, be able to they, fucking smile by the end of that game. Well, and that's and that like because that like if if, it, if he doesn't like lift Atreus up uh, at the end and like dangle him and throw him around like even just a like a chuckle out of Kratos would have been like spoken volumes yeah. about like he, like where he was and so I found originally seeing that I was kind of laughing I was like well it's funny because it's so against character and yet it's so against character because he actually didn't move that far. He didn't far move that far. Like I in, ugh, uh, it's frustrating for me. I grew up with a father who I loved because the smile is what you wanted right. Kratos to end like, with even, and we actually didn't get. It. You just put it in the photo mode. This is the other thing is that even even I grew up with a father who I loved dearly who I love dearly now, but who I was also for a, a large period of my childhood terrified of, right? Like terrified of. He's 6 foot 8. He's a big dude. He you know, uh, maybe was physical with me a couple of times, but absolutely leveraged the threat of his physicality um, and did that wildly in life uh, and has since confronted that and become a much, much better person who I, again, who I love deeply, who I, who I have a, a deep affection for. Even as a child, even when he was at his most, like, emotionally aggressive even when he was the most willing to be physically intimidating and threatening to people i can i always remember his laugh i always remember his smile and now it's what i remember the most about now that i have a good relationship with him a really strong relationship with him now that i've, I've seen him change become a really complete and and uh joyful and you know he still gets frustrated he's a person people are allowed to be angry but now that he's someone who who has kind of me not just mellowed out but confronted and addressed uh, the issues he had as a, as a young man it's what i remember so clearly about him is his laugh and his smile and his ability to be funny and joyous 
on top of being you know frustrated at a computer or upset about politics <laughs> or about you know he's a Cleveland Browns fan. I've seen him mad his whole oh. life. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, and, like, <laughs> anger, rather than anger being the defining trait, anger is part of a spectrum of emotions right. that one expresses to react to the world in a bunch of different ways, including sometimes in a grin, in a, like a gallows humor. Man, fuck this! I can't fucking believe you this. You can't be a Browns fan. You can't, without it. You, you can't be exactly. His best friend is a Steelers fan, so you know, like that's oh no, it's bad. Yeah, uh, that's been like the Bears Packers. It's like yeah. whoa, this some friends we used to text back and forth and Facetime yes. with the talk shit before a game, and then it was just like. Yo, it's not fun to do anymore. You just beat <laughs> you just us, beat every, us time. every time, right? So, like the, but and that's the thing is like the game should have ha- found space for Kratos to crack jokes and laugh at them a little bit more. They, they do here and there on the side stories, here and there, but but there should have been space for him to grin and to like like roll his eyes at at uh 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 Sindri and Bro- Brock Brock. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, even if he did so privately, right? right? Like, what if, like, because it would make sense yes. that you would see an evolution in Kratos' character that he didn't want to express or know how to express or be vulnerable with his son. But if there were little moments where, or the he found him found the, the facade breaking privately, and then the the payoff for that is it being expressed publicly, or even publicly um, privately with his son, right? Like the thing right. that a good like. You and I have this, Patrick, where we go to an appointment at an event and we're just straight faced, and we walk away, and it's like, "Yo, that was wild." That like <laughs> that person was super rude or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, know, you and I will privately. Do, do like, they really mean that we're gonna buy an Xbox One X for fucking Minecraft in 4K? <laughs> right, exactly. In, in the meeting, oh, the lighting. You know, the lighting does look better. The lighting does look better, right? <laughs> but that's what friends do. It's what parents do. Parents do open up, or not all parents. Obviously, I think there are like I, there are yeah. there, but by the grace of, of the gods, um, there's a different world in which my father and I don't have a great relationship now. I know people who have had I there. You know, my mom was disowned by her parents for years because she was with my dad. Like I know the way this goes, and I know that not all parents are fucking good people and don't always do great things. Um, but but one a relationship between a parent and a child often can include a sort of sharing of who uh, of a self that is a little more vulnerable is or it does it does have in jokes it does have familiarity like the word familiarity comes from family you know uh and so it would be great to have seen a little bit more of that i know that it's funny it's a spoiler cast but we're not hitting a lot of like independent little moments we're not saying wasn't it great the time that uh that uh freya noticed the the mistletoe uh arrow and threw them away and broke them we're not talking about the time that that uh when when Atreus found out about being a god and got onto the boat and there was this like long extended sequence of, of Kratos dragging the boat from Freya's house back to the river. We're not talking about the river sequence where where Kratos is rushing back to get the chains. Like we're we're I think this game does encourage or demand that we talk about things in these bigger thematic ways instead of those little ways because those little ways have to serve something. And if they're not serving something really well, then like. All the all the game is left to hang on is its combat, which is enjoyable, and is and and the and the the environments, which are beautiful. Like I do think it's a beautiful game, but like mm-hmm. I just wish all of those little moments added up a little bit more for me to something that where there was a takeaway of, uh, of Kratos as a figure who did move more than a little bit. Right? Basically, this is just coming back to what you said in the throwaway you know, a few minutes ago for like one sentence, which is Kratos only moved a little bit. You know, Atreus moves a lot compared to where Kratos moves. And I wish both of them... And also, it's hard to it's hard to tell where, like, if this game is also functions as, like, meta-commentary 
from the developers, you know, a lot of the original developers, as I noted in my review, and I'm sure it was noted elsewhere, a lot of the original developers that worked on like God of War 1 and 2 specifically came back to work on this one. I'm not sure the game necessarily comes down very explicitly one way or the other on Kratos. Like certainly like it's a story about redemption or change at the very least, but uh, both functionally through the game's exposition and storytelling and then sort of on a meta level, like it's not super explicit where everything falls. Right. Totally. Um, Uh, One one thing I would say, one small thing that I really liked – because uh, I remember mentioning it in a previous conversation, but not being explicit about it, was I loved the explanation they came up for why there are shops everywhere. Oh, yeah. Which is like they, they have to have a reason <laughs> for you to be able to upgrade, especially because yes. they don't let you fast travel at any point. And like even when – though you can go back to Brock uh, at all times uh, back at Tears Palace uh, or whatever, uh, you, those are like you, – you find I those love those moments. Minutes, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but they, you always find the shops in like weird spots that don't make a lot of sense. There's oh, there's almost always like a throwaway line that's like, "What are you?" Even once you know, like the actual like in canon explanation, which is just like, "Yeah, we can slip between realms yeah. and just like show up places." Like, like the like the there are like there, there's a time where they make like a really explicit joke about it. Where it's like, "Why you didn't you help us?" Or right. something. But yeah, like they, they constantly reference when that you're joke going and riff on up it. to when you're going up to the mountain for the first time, the first mountain. Uh, uh, Sindri shows up, and it's like you. We just did the whole thing with the elevator, and like with all that shit. Like, how did you get? And he's like, "Oh, I, we have ways of getting places. Like, we have we we can slip through the realms in a way that that you guys can. If we if, if I could have taken you, I would have taken you. Yeah, obviously. Uh, it was a very it's hand wavy, but in a way that I felt like I just it was funny and it worked, and it was like a it spoke to in the same way like the little bits with the conversation and how they handle breaking that up. It's it's it's. People who have played a lot of video games, realizing the gamey parts of a game and then finding clever ways to explain it or contextualize it. And like that, like the way they explain that is it's fine. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's kind of like whatever, but it's a whatever that's both funny and they don't ignore it. Like they don't they don't pretend it's not weird. Like it is weird. And instead, they just confront it and then come up with like Uh, a a funny the realms and small holes. We're dwarves, whatever. Like that's what we need. Um, I really like like it's it's funny. I think about them, and I think a lot about the Atreus stuff with Sindri. Once Atreus is like, "I'm a god, and you're below me." That stuff was so <laughs> rough, man. I was like, "Yo, Kratos, come get your kid. You cannot yeah. let him be like this. You know better." And Mimir does. Yeah. Like there is yeah. like Mimir then starts functioning as this, you know, like like referee that is just like Kratos. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to tell yeah. you. Like you can't let this keep. Right, <laughs> keep going. Like your wife isn't here anymore. Right. Like this is just you now. Do better. Um. So really quickly before we wrap, or maybe not that. Who knows? We'll see where this conversation goes. Uh, I did want to touch on. Someone did write in about this. I, this is the same question about about the toxic masculinity of Kratos. Kind of said like, hey, isn't there an interesting parallel here too between kind of Kratos's idea of stoic masculinity of like don't open your heart, do what's necessary. Don't like, uh, don't bend, right? Just push through. And some of what has come out around Corey's talking around the labor of this game, right? Um, mm-hmm. there had been that viral video of Corey Balrog going around, uh, Barlog going around saying, you know, we did, we all sacrificed so much while making this game. We all worked for, we all crunched, basically, right? I, I forget the exact quote that was in that 
uh, that video, but basically was like, it's just, it's just the one where he, before he watches like, or reads the reviews. Yes. Of the game that and, video. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's in that video where he's like, you know, responding to, to the reviews that are so positive where he says, you know, we, we've been crunching so hard for the last few months. So we've been, you know, long days, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then Corey went on giant bomb and talked to Brad, uh, over there. And Brad asked, you mentioned, you know, like five plus years of work, you know, people being there at three in the morning and stuff like that. I feel like labor and game development has become kind of a hot topic as of late. Do you have any thoughts on how you guys handled things in retrospect now that you're on the other side of it? Like, how did you handle that? Which is from Brad, like a pretty open ended question. But, but, you know, he's like, hey, can we talk about crunch basically you know uh and Corey's response is i mean it's a tricky thing for us we we really we depend on the passion of the people there right when i was talking about what our studio used to be this idea of my second week in the studio i was at the studio three in the morning burning a tgs demo disc because i cared not because anybody else wanted asked me to be there in fact there were probably 25 people there and none of them needed to be there there just needed to be one person there just to burn the disc and but we were all staying because we were so excited we finished god of war 2 and we stayed until two or three in the morning burning you know gold candidate discs and then instead of just playing for the two minutes to test it at work we played for an hour and a half because everyone was around we was playing and we cared and we just were really into it and i think it was a similar thing that while we all we all go through our ups and our downs and people have doubts i think uh at its heart when everyone starts seeing what we're making it's something special uh it just feels like everybody puts so much into it and he goes on and on and on from there and you know talks about how how he kind of does the thing of like well it's it's we all decided to want to do this. We all wanted to push ourselves that hard. Um, he does later say like, everybody's working their butt off to trying to trying to do something great, and it's even more painful when it's not great. And I mean, I've worked on my share of really crappy games, right? Uh, and, and kind of says you know when you look around and you see Red Dead's coming out and you see all these other things, like you just want to push yourself until it's until it's the very best. And um, it was really frustrating to some degree. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised to hear that. That is a that is a, a position to sort of like. We've decided to crunch together is a, is one of those things that you see come out kind of often. We ran a story from Tanya Short, who's an independent game dev, back when we launched about like why do game devs decide to crunch? Where where does this internal it's a passion project argument come from, and why is it not enough to accept that argument, or to why is it more complicated than, than that argument makes it seem? Um, and it it is you know, to the person who wrote in and said, basically, isn't it interesting to see this parallel between these two things? Um, I don't know that, like, the, I don't know that the, the, the vision of, I don't know if there's, like, a complete overlap there, but the idea of, like, this synthesized version of stoic fatherhood and, but, like, passionate dad does have this weird overlap with the sort of, like, well, when you love something, you just give it your all and you just push forward. And I don't think that there's, like, a, I don't think it's that deep, quote unquote, right? But I, it was frustrating to me, and it is, it is still frustrating to me to think about, given the, the year we're having in which game developers are taking seriously the idea of unionization and organization and pushing back, and the year in which we've now seen Sony, you know, uh, file the same two PR press releases about bad conditions in their workplaces, which were like, we take it very seriously. This is the, the two being Naughty Dog and uh, Quantic Dream, um, which were not about crunch, but more about uh, uh, sexual harassment situations. Um, it is frustrating to not have that question answered much more directly, right? Which is like, hey, person who is in a big position, in a major position, who has a platform because you have a, one of the biggest games of the year releasing, not where do you stand, but like, what do we do about the fact that a God of War only comes out because 
you need five years during which many of those years or much of that time i don't know i not i don't have uh you know insider information about how long crunch was going on or anything like that but during where some of that time includes incredibly long days includes uh distance from family you know this is a game about family but we know what working conditions are in this industry and again and again it's about separating people from their families and and requiring them to be the 25 people in a room where there's only you only need one person you know um or or in which there is a sort of pressure to be that person and a culture that demands you be the person who says oh no i'm just passionate about it um it's it's uh, you know, I didn't expect more, but I would have loved to have seen more. And I would love to see leaders like people in Corey's position push f- for the industry to confront this and actually change, you know? Yeah, I don't expect uh, – in no world was he going to partially for <laughs> his own career, partially because I just have low expectations. Thing. Like he was not going to comment on unionization no, or no. advocate for – that's just – that's just not. I wish we had that person in the industry. For... Like I do. I wish we had someone in in a AAA space who was willing to do that. Um, especially because, well, I, I don't expect it, but I do think Corey, especially having launched this game, like was in like a prime position to make the sort of like strong. Like, what are they going to do? Fire Corey Balrog and like not let him make another God of War? Like people would fucking riot. Like it. it it's it, he was in the strongest possible position, which is immediately after the game when everyone is like in the 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 glow of. Um, of enjoying it that like you can make those kinds of statements and use that as leverage going forward. So in some, mm-hmm. but I say specifically about unionization, I don't hold this a knock because I just don't expect that from sort of entrenched game, game developers, especially ones that are in, I mean, Corey's in a management position, you know, he's not in senior, you know, a Sony executive, but he is in a management position as being the creative director or whatever his official title is. But there's a way in which he could have phrased that question in which he said, uh, or his answer is something that was like, I've I and teams I've been on have been screwing this up for a very yeah. long time. Like yep. we were we were away from our families for, for too long. We screwed it up on this project. We screwed it up on yep. previous projects. And he's like and he's like, how do you make a game of families without thinking about this more? He's like the next project we have to do better. We're actually right. like doing a post uh, a, a analysis where we're like talking through the team, what worked, what didn't work, how do we change things, how do we get people out of the office that don't need to be in the office? A huge part of crunch for big teams. Um, I was just talking to someone that, you know, is working on a, a huge release for in the fall, um, about this yeah. is that they have nothing to do with the main development. They're part of ancillary to, to, to the company. It's important, but it's something that will ramp up as the game is closer to release as opposed to like working on levels. And yet they are at the office right. every single night until 11 right. PM because it is just expected that if you are working on this massive game, that you are going to be there. And it's because the the CEO of the company is there. It is not like upper management is just disappearing. Like everyone is there, right. but there's no one that is thinking about the quality of life for 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 the team. There's no one saying you don't need to be here. Sometimes they're going to be late nights. This isn't your night. Go home. Right. Like there's no reason that you need to show solidarity um, by being here. But there's an expectation. There's a social <laughs> right. pressure that happens right. with this. And and I think there's like a replacement like, of like you should show solidarity, and that should be about organizing to make sure people are paid well, and that and that those conditions are established so that you don't feel like you need to stay there. That's that's or, the solidarity or, or, that you need, not the solidarity of like sit around here, do stay here and do your work until midnight, even though you don't actually need yeah, to. Reading Reddit while everyone else is you know doing the stuff that they need to do, like that's not showing solidarity. That's I mean it. Is is in a sense like that's how the game industry has built itself. Right, that's still showing solidarity but, to the brokenness of the games industry, though. Like I get it, I get where right. it comes from. I do understand, or, or even, or even like the, I have problems with the, the examples that Corey uses because, like, 
like holy shit of course people would want to stay late on when you're pressing day. the gold yeah, disc of course like, on that like, day no one that's not that's not what people are mad that's not about what crunches right. Crun- yeah crunches like <laughs> you know, fixing a fucking audio bug that like cropped up just as you were about to leave work and you need to finish it because that's like part of like the press demo that's happening right. next week right like that that's different than like celebrating the finality of this thing that's been a yeah, part of your life right. for years and i i just wish he he could have found a way to reflect to have have contextualized that and say that we we didn't do it right this time we need it's it's also he's like it, it also being forthright to know like it's gonna probably not be perfect the next time either that's unfortunately the the systemic nature of the toxic culture that is game development but we love this thing so much so how do we do it better so it's sustainable yep. and that we want to keep making these games when we're in, when we're in our 40s and 50s and 60s and that's not yeah so that, or that, it, that's only gonna be possible for a select few that made enough money that they can afford to work normal hours and and not kill themselves uh, while doing it or worry that just because you want to work normal hours you're gonna be replaced by like some 21 year old that is just desperate to get a job and will come in and do the thing like no disrespect to the 21 year old that you know hustle do your thing but like that's that's the the the, the hatchet that hangs over everyone's head is right. like the moment that you like decide to like live a normal life is like oh well, they're just gonna replace you with someone who will just do it totally well and, and the thing here too is like it is a, so much about how you address this stuff uh, after you've done it and like what steps you try to take to to make sure it's not the case going forward right where so we did that. We've been doing reviews lately, right? Uh, at, at Waypoint, you may have seen them. Um, and we were talking about Patrick's God of War review today, right? And so a couple of months ago when Far Cry 5 came out, uh, I was reviewing Far Cry 5. And because I because of the way the game went and because of just how my schedule went as EIC, sometimes I have to be in meetings and stuff and not – it's hard. it's been hard for me to be like, all right, what I'm going to do today is just play this game, right? And so I played that game at night, which is part of, you know, what is like across the culture of games journalism. If you're a reviewer, you're all, it is not often that you like – the thing I'm going to do main time, like, or especially not if you're a reviewer, if you're assigned to review at this point, very few people except for freelancers are just reviewers. You're also doing other sorts of content. Um, and in my role, it means being in meetings or doing podcasts or doing streams or whatever, right? And so while I was able to like, kind of move things around a little bit to make sure I could play during the day, sometimes I mostly played at night. <laughs> if you get 90 minutes and you're like, ha right, victory, victory, I played right. 90 minutes of a 20-hour game right, during, during the day. My main, during my, day, my actual work day. Um, but then when it came time to write the review, it was just one of those ones that was like a hard one to get out there. It was a big, weird review. And so I ended up playing an all-nighter. One, I would be the worst boss uh, ever <laughs> if I had made a, a, a culture here that was like, well, I'm going to be up all night writing this review. I hope everybody else is around. Please hang out in the office with me so that you can like keep my spirit, which isn't what happened. I'm not saying Corey did that, I, but I'm saying that the culture of games of games is such that it it feels at those at those uh, studios in question like a bad thing that you would go home while someone else is working on an audio bug or while t- well you know if there are 30 people in the office and 10 of them have to say the idea that another 15 of them need to stay too is already like absurd let alone the fact that i mean it's already absurd that, that we work with such tight schedules and with uh with such high demand that 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 crunch is necessary like that that does come down to management issues and, and scheduling issues and timeline issues and over and you're trying to say that you can do more with less you know and and not being honest about what that re- what the scope uh, uh, and and likelihood of, of problems is like that that we have people we've spoken to too many developers who say that that's what it comes down to, um, but but second to that is just like as soon as that was done there was the next morning 
uh, we were talking about streaming stuff, and Danica brought up that like she wasn't thrilled that I pulled an all nighter for this thing. Like we talk a lot about work work life balance, and my like off the cuff response, you know, at, at eight a.m. after having pulled an all nighter, was like it's part of the job. Like, and, and historically, it has been part of the job. Like to to be a game reviewer has meant, in my experience, that you pull some all nighters. Uh, and there are times in in your by and large, our jobs are not that heavy of a lift, right? Like I, I do a lot of stuff with my position. There's there's a lot to do. Obviously, we work full weeks. We work. Maybe more than than people might think, but also less than 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 uh, lots of other jobs. We're not laying brick, you know what I mean. We're not digging right. holes. I know what we have. I'm talking to a microphone about God of War. Like I I get it. I you know uh, I know I got it. I don't know what y'all on as it's, Kanye we, West take once it seriously, said. but don't take it seriously. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but but. And there are times. Talk about Kanye West. There's a lot. There's I know. Live there's, TMZ yes. interview. Don't even. Don't look. I, don't even I'm, look. I'm 12 minutes into the Charlemagne interview right now. I don't. It's a lot. Oh, it's, 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 I can read. I'm not going to read you this quote because I think you might I'll just, just die. die. I know. Fucking. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so but my point <laughs> is, my point is, you know, historically in the industry of game journalism, we have these moments that are like, all right, it's E3. It's time to fucking go hard. It's review season. It's time to go hard. I'm not going to get a lot of sleep this this season. I'm going to spend a lot of time playing these games, and to some degree. There is a limit to what I can change about that, right? Like a 40-hour game comes out, for Patrick to review it, I need him to probably play 40 hours. Um, but there are things that we can change around that. And so when God of War was coming out, I, Patrick, you and I had a talk, and it was like, you should play this game because the schedule is such that you have to get on a plane to PAX. We have to work at PAX. Uh, so we're going we're gonna, to like play that game this week. Don't worry about not filing stuff. Like, yes, we'll be down. We'll be short on traffic that week because we won't have you writing news stories that week. That's okay. Play the game. Get yourself in a position to where you don't have to pull an all-nighter two weeks from now or a week and a half from now. Same thing with Robin Battletech. With that, it was like, you know, he was 30 hours into the game and hadn't beaten it yet. And it was like, well, do I pull an all-nighter here or do I write, hey, I'm X hours in my 30 hours or my 25 hours with Battletech, blah, blah, blah. Write that. It's fine. Like, I don't need you killing yourself over this. He, write what, you, what you've experienced. Be clear about what you've experienced. Patrick, take the time to actually review the thing. And so, so much of this is not like, I expect everybody to get it right immediately. It's what you just said, Patrick, which is like, come out and say, we fucked up, and then take the steps to address that. Um, yeah, have a conversation about it. Because I mean, that's, and I think something that, you know, like we had a, uh, we really only seriously started talking about this stuff, even at Waypoint, which is like, you know, <laughs> you know, a website where like very, you know, forward uh, facing about like our politics and, and labor is a huge thing we talk about. And yet, like, it really wasn't until we had like a big group meeting in January where we like had like a really yeah. long, serious conversation about like, People's work You're hours. burning like, out because we're all working sixty hours. Specifically, was me telling you, like, <laughs> you set a bad example for right, everyone else right. based, on, based on the hours you work. We need to have a conversation where both you benefit and that everyone else benefits in in the same way. Where it's where it's those late nights, like what you did with Far Cry, is the exception to the right. Rule. The like, rule can't stuff's be, going yes. to happen. Right. Being like I, the most, even the most, <laughs> you know, my kid doesn't sleep. Eight hours every and night. And I will right? say, like, I, she gets up and screams. Right. In the same way, like eventually, sometimes you're going to have a thing you just got to get done. And it happens, but that should be something where, like, oh, this just happens every once in a while right. because that's because that's the, life. That's L- just that does life. happen in life. In all jobs, there are periods during which there is an, an excess of work to get done, and like every now and then, you have to you do make the exception, and it sucks. One, you should be fairly compensated for that. Two, that shouldn't be the norm. And like last year, this time at Waypoint, that was absolutely the norm. Like sixty, seventy hour work weeks. 
that was a week. That wasn't a, that wasn't Far Cry Five came out and I needed to do a review. That was just getting stories up on the site. That's like if you go back and look at the amount of stories we were running a year ago. Those were all like we were editing all of those. We were up late editing. Like there's so many nights where Danielle and I were just alone in the office editing stories. It was like me and her and my boss were the only people left because my boss is has the same like terrible crunch work ethic that I do. Um, but like yes, we had that conversation and we improved on it. And like I'm not at the office until 8 p.m. that often anymore. Again, once once a week, once every other week. Uh, let alone 10, which is 11, which I'd used to be there till. Um, and like that has been such an improvement. And so it, like God of War in a weird way, like I don't want to say that improvement can't happen. You know what I mean? Like I do think improvement can happen. Uh, and I think the first step towards addressing that is for people in the position like Corey's to start to destigmatize talking about it as a bad thing that we can fix. Like I don't expect a Corey Balrog uh, – I keep saying Balrog. Is it Balrog or Bar- Barlog? It's it is well now you've got me confused. Yeah, I, know. Though I know I should know better. Same Barlog. 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 Is it like the monster from Lord of the Rings? Is it like that's a Balrog? So it's not like Balrog. It's not. It's like Barlog. It. You switch the you switch see. the R in the L. Gotcha. Yeah. So like Corey, like Corey. Uh, Bar- I don't expect <laughs> what mm? Corey Barlog. Like Danica Harad. Like Danica Harad. Harad. Uh, um, I don't expect Corey to be like Herlog. You know, Game Workers Unite. Here is my badge. I'm all in. No, I, I don't expect it. Even though he may not even believe who that, the fuck but like, knows. even if you don't, even if you don't, at least begin the process the of like of you, there's no like it's there's no world where I can. Okay. Okay. No, there is a world, but I'm saying like you can reconcile the idea that like okay, I don't think unionization is the path towards like making things better, but also say like it's fucked up that people are saying to like four in the morning like right, I mean that's what the seven that's days what a week for months right that is what these industries do traditionally with all manner of criticism they say. They say like, well, we don't need we don't need regulation on loot boxes. We'll just handle it internally. We don't need right. uh, the government to come in and step in and start regulating games and doing a governmental regulation and, and ratings. We'll just create the ESRB and do it internally. Like that is what happens. So you can imagine someone in Corey's position thinking that that's the solution. That like, oh, we just need oversight committees inside of individual game companies that aren't necessarily about organized workers. Blah blah blah. There are lots of ways to, to, to but, but at the very least, talking about that as an issue does help to destigmatize the notion that we should be holding ourselves and holding the industry to be accountable for that additional work. Anyway, we had a much deeper dive on this than, than anticipated, but I think important. Important because like a game like this does not come along that often in terms of the response it gets. Also kind of a bummer. We were not offered an interview with Corey Barlog, but uh, <laughs> didn't really see anyone like ask him about any of the the women no. stuff, not to like, not to give, put it, not to just call it women stuff, but like to give it, you well, know, history is misogyny and like the fact that he, or, or the, the question of like, hey, so like, because my guess is he thought about it. I, I and hope. I just want to know, right? That, yo, right? Okay, like the, you made the conscious choice. Like the game opens with her dead, right? So wh- why, like, why, like, how do you justify the, the lack of those voices? Totally. I just, I didn't see a whole lot of. um Discussion on him. If I if I missed it, like I, I've not watched the full interview. Like he's done. He's like, done a bunch. I've not seen seven, everything. Uh, spoiler cast. So like, please like hit us up if like there are have been quotes about that because I would definitely be interested to read the the answers. Totally. But, like I I've not seen that in headlines pulled out um, uh, anywhere. Um. Yeah. I I think that that is a. Uh, uh, a really, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's weird. We're in a, we're on one hand, he's out there a lot. He's actually like pretty, he's been pretty visible for the director of a game. Like normally we don't get this many deep dives and, and interviews uh, afterwards, especially with something that's, that's, 
And he's a thoughtful guy. Like, yes. you, like I mean, like there's that's I think probably what makes a lot of this stuff like more frustrating is it's it's one thing if you can just chalk it up to like what did you expect? Um, and maybe that is still like the conclusion you could draw. But I I, I surmise like based on my own interactions with Corey um, that that he at least has thoughts on it, and I would just be curious to hear what those are, what they are, yeah. and why and why he arrived at the conclusions that. Um, that he did, yeah. um, or the choices that he made in terms of how characters were or weren't um, represented. Right, so. right. All right, I think on that note, that is going to do it for us for this God of War spoiler cast. Uh, we will be back later this week with uh, a regular episode of Waypoint Radio, I think for Friday. Uh, Danielle will be hosting, and uh, and we'll see where that takes us. Uh, Patrick, where can people find you on the internet? Find me at Patrick Luffy. Find me at Austin underscore Walker. You can find Waypoint, Twitter.com slash Waypoint, Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice, YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice, and Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. Hey, quick, we're recording this on the day that is the one-year anniversary to our forms launching. Quick shout-out to our mods over at the forms who today are doing a really big live stream, uh, a 24-hour live stream, celebrating the Waypoint community. Uh, shout-out to the mods at the forums, the mods at the on our, our Discord, the Twitch mods. Uh, those groups are all kind of working much more closely together these days. Um, they do an incredible job. They have built such an incredible community. Uh, and I mean it. They've built it, right? Like, I've seen them live through and work through uh, so many things that are like, um, you know, the the influx of people after NeoGAF shut their – or after the, the, the exile of NeoGAF. I guess NeoGAF still exists. Um, to, to moments when Waypoint has been at the center of criticism and, and seeing them uh, corral conversation in a way that is – uh, critical and thoughtful and often, you know, sometimes sometimes critical of us and, and the way that we've handled things while still making sure that it is uh, coming from a place that's constructive um, and and emotionally honest and, like, in general, creating a community that, that has at its core really great values that all comes down to to that team, which, which Danica ma- manages and, and uh, has kind of helped put together over the the last year uh, it's a really it's something i'm really proud of even though i'm really proud of having that that the work that we've done at waypoint has helped m- make that community give that that community a space to build itself right i don't want to take too much credit for it you know what i mean like we're in there for open threads i comment on ba- the battle tech thread i comment on other threads where it makes sense uh but like in the discord on the on the the forms the community has been so fantastic uh so thank you to all the mods thank you to danica thank you to everyone who, who's part of that community as always you can visit the community at at form.waypoint.vice.com or the discourse.zone um so thanks again for that and thank you in general for, for being part of the extended waypoint community if you're listening to this uh we get great questions we have great uh um you know degrees of of uh of of um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, that's not engagement. Engagement is such a shitty word. Um, but, but what I mean by engagement is actually engagement. Like not, oh, someone clicked on our website. Oh, someone watched our video. But so often the community is – It's a care. It cares and is invested in, in these – Invested is the it right is. word. Until, until, until some social person comes, comes around and says investment that. rating or whatever. You're, the community has always been invested and has given us a place to have conversations like these. There's nowhere I've ever worked before where I could have this conversation. And I love the places I've worked before. I'm not judging any of those places. But, you know, Patrick and I got to dig deep into – some themes and ideas that otherwise would have been sidebar conversations or would have been smaller conversations. But here we got to kind of really dig in. And that's because I know that we're supported by the community and, and the people who are listening to this right now. So thank you so much for that. Uh, shout out to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. 
Uh, and that is going to do it for us. Uh, because Danielle isn't here, I guess I will say it. Be good. And, and you know what, Kratos? Listen the fuck up. <laughs> be good and be good <laughs> at it. Peace. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.